So there have been more, uh, or there has been more than one time in my life where I thought I was the biggest, strongest, most intelligent person in the whole room, right? Like, I don't know if you found yourself there before, but I know that I have, and most of the time I lose, right? Most of the time I'm not the biggest, smartest most intelligent, strongest person, hairiest, whatever the challenge is, most of the time I'm not that person, right? Especially in high school. Uh, and there are, there are a few times that I remember really well when I was not those things, right? The first one was sixth grade. Now, you know, I mean, you guys remember when you stepped through the halls in junior high, your sixth grade year, I mean, you're scared out of your mind, right? Like, the people are bigger than you, and you eighth graders going into ninth grade, you remember that now, right? The people are bigger than you. Uh, they were actually smarter than you, uh, hopefully, because, they, you know, they, they had at least one year of junior high on you. Uh, and, uh, and, and, I mean, that they were just cooler than you in general. I mean, there's the exceptional sixth grader that is cool every once in a while. But, yeah, I thought I was, I thought I was like, the guy, okay? Like, I thought I was seriously the coolest guy who had ever graced the hallways, all right? And sometimes I still do that, and I shouldn't, but I just, God's working on me. So I was in sixth grade, and I, you know, they make you take, when I was in sixth grade, they made, us make us, they made us take this, like, typing class, okay? And, I mean, I knew how to type. Like, you know, I, I mean, it's pretty simple. You just, you just look at the letter, and the word you want to spell, you match the letters with the word you want to spell, right? It's pretty simple. But they make you take a typing class. And so I was already kind of annoyed that I was in typing class, and, and it was called typing. Like, why? why? And, uh, and this girl walked in one day, and I didn't really like her because I thought she was super, super annoying. She walks in one day, and she's talking about this awesome guy that they just started dating. She's like, well, he's the sweetest. And from across the room, I was like, that guy's an idiot. That guy is seriously an idiot. No joke. She gets up out of her chair. She walks over to my side of the room and hits me with a chair. All right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys think it's funny. I went to the hospital, okay, and I had to get staples in the back of my head because she hit me with a chair. The second time was when I came into uh, high school, right, ninth grade. Ninth grade. I, okay, I played a lot of baseball growing up. And I loved baseball. I still love baseball, right? I love it. I'm watching it uh, tonight. You know, I watch it all the time. Anytime it's on, I try to watch some baseball, at least keep up with baseball. And so I came in to high school, and I, on the baseball team, just like in the halls of junior high, I was it, man. I was the guy. And looking back, like, I wasn't that good, okay? But I just thought I was. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to compete get a spot on varsity, like I'm trying to make the team, right, there wasn't a ninth grade team for me, there, you know, I'm not, there's not JV, there was varsity, and that's what I was going for, and, uh, and the seniors taught me really quick that, you know, it wasn't my place to, uh, to talk to them in a certain way, and before long, in, in like the first week of off-season baseball, I found myself holding my hands, like, like, with all my strength against the toilet, trying to keep my head out of it, right? Like, they had, it had come to the point where they had decided that they were going to give me a swirly. You guys remember what swirlies are. You probably can't even do that without going to prison now in school. But that's what happened when I was in school, right? They're like, okay, we'll show that kid a lesson, right? We'll show him a lesson. And, and the last one that, that I really, really remember, well, kind of don't remember, but kind of do, uh, was this time I, 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 it was at church actually, and it was on, it was our Wednesday night service, and we met in a gymnastics gym, okay, and it was awesome, 
it was awesome. There was a huge springboard floor in the middle, and it was awesome. Like I saw my youth pastor shatter, uh, what is this bone? His shin bone. I saw him shatter his shin bone one time on the, like, the big like, thing. It was awesome, okay. Other people threw up. I was like, wow. But we're in there, and, you know, we were going to play a game, and my youth manager's like, here's the deal. I need four people. And I was like, duh, here I am. I'm here. And so he calls us up, and he's like, he hands us, you guys know what those karate pads look like? They're like, they, they hold them, and you punch and kick, right? They're like this big, and they strap your arm on them, okay? It's like a big rectangle, okay? He handed us all those, and I was like, all right, what am I doing with this? That's cool. I like it. I'm here. He goes, I need four more people, right? And he calls four more people up. Uh, he goes, hey, can you bring me that trash can? And then he brings a trash can out, and he puts it right in the middle of the huge, like, what do you call that? The gymnastics pad, right? The he puts it right in the center, and he puts the four of us who have the pads around it, okay? Like, we're, like, protecting it. And then the other four people, he's like, all right, each one of you, you guys match up with one of those people with the pads, right? And uh, everybody's outside, you know, all, all the people there out there, and they're, they're kind of, they don't know what's going on. I don't really know what's going on. But then he starts explaining the rules, and I realize I've gotten myself in a situation that I'm about to dominate, okay? Like, quite frankly, I'm going to dominate it, and I'm going to win, all right? That's, at least that's what I thought for the moment. He hands a ball to each one of the guys on the outside, okay? And uh, he says, your object is to get the ball in the, in, the, in the trash can. Get it in the trash can. Now, these guys are obviously going to be standing in front of it. Your job is to keep the ball out of the trash can. And I was like, done. I don't care who he puts over there. I got it, right? I got it. And, uh, and he lines up a 6'4", 240-pound linebacker uh, to me, right? And you guys, right now, I'm like, like 190 really, really sopping wet with a wet towel on me, right? Like I'm not heavy at all right now. So imagine me 30 pounds lighter and a little shorter in high school, okay? So like I wasn't, I wasn't anything to really like, I wasn't a wall. Like I wasn't an immovable force. I was like a rag doll compared to that guy, okay? And so he's like, I'm going to count to three, all right? And you're going to have two minutes to score as many buckets as possible, okay? So this guy lines up in front of me, okay? And I'm like, like, he tackles people for a living. Like, that's what he does. Like, you, like, he, like, takes people out like me, like, obstacles in his way for a living, right? That's what he does. I mean, obviously, he's not getting paid, but that's his job when he's on the football field. And I'd never played football before, okay, but I thought I was really good at it and that I had watched enough football that I was going to be able to dominate this guy, okay? And I had this plan in my mind, like, he was going to run at me and I was going to sidestep, sweep his leg. He was going to fall and I was going to bang him in the head with a pad, like, and just keep him there, like, Bam, bam, bam. I'm like, yes. Like, that's how it played out in my head, right? So he, uh, he says go, and the guy runs at me. And before my plan can kicked into action, okay, I realized that my plan was bad from the beginning. Like, before I could even put it in the action, I realized that it had all crumbled. The moment that that man, he, he had to have been a man. Like, he was not in high school, no way, lined up next to me, okay? Uh, because at that moment, he ran at me, and... I, you guys have never had your life flash for your eyes? Maybe, maybe you haven't. Mine didn't, okay, because nothing happened in, in my mind. I just froze. Like, I completely froze. Like, I locked up. I froze. All plans that I had were thrown out the window like 10 minutes ago. And he, as he ran at me, my only reaction was to do this, like that. Like, 
duck my head into the pad, okay? Like, it wasn't like a try to get lower and try to get some leverage. I just went like this, okay? Like, I'd watched 300 one time. They're a bunch of Spartans. I was like, you know, you just hold the shield wall and you're good, right? So that's what, I, that's what I'd kind of heard. You, know, you hold the shield wall, you're good to go. Yeah, that didn't work with... Uh, with a 6'4", 240-pound guy and like a 5'10", you know, like 150, okay? Like, those things don't work, okay? Like, that doesn't, not how it works in like a really thin pad, okay? So, he running at me, I go like this. The last thing I remember is him headbutting me. Like, I just felt the pain, and then I remember waking up on my couch three and a half hours later, and, uh, I had had a severe concussion that I had not, I didn't know anything about, right? Like, if you guys have ever had a concussion, I've actually had two where, where I blacked out, right? Like, you, like, in my case, I acted normal. Apparently, uh, whatever normal is, I even drove my sister home, but I don't remember anything from, like, 6.45 to 9.30, okay? Like, nothing, nothing. I woke up on my couch, and I was like, Hey, what are we doing here? I thought we were at church. And my sister, my sister was like, yeah, we've been home for like an hour and a half. You've been sitting there watching TV the whole time. The point is this. What are you laughing at, man? The point is this. Thinking I was powerful and important didn't make me powerful and important, right? And each one of those stories... I thought I was a little more important than I actually was, or in the last story's case, I was a little stronger than I actually was. But thinking that doesn't make you that, right? Thinking you are powerful and important doesn't make you powerful and important. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And, and somebody who's way smarter than I am said a person's true spiritual character is not determined by the impressiveness of his words, but by the power of his life. This is John MacArthur. He's a really smart guy. I'll read it again. A person's true spiritual character is not determined by the impressiveness of his words, but by the power of his life. In, in Corinthians, Paul's talking to a group of people who who can say, like, some really awesome things about who Jesus was and how the church is supposed to run and what you're supposed to do as a Christian, but they weren't really living it out. They weren't living it out, and, and Paul, Paul had a message for him. He's like, look, it doesn't matter what you say, if you're not living what you say you believe, I'm not so certain that you really believe that. In 1 Kings, we're going to look at two, two people. We're going to be in 1 Kings, okay, chapter 18. You can go there. It's in the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at two different groups of people. We're going to be looking at people who worshipped God, really just Elijah. And we're going to be looking at this guy named, uh, these prophets of Baal, right, everyone else, okay. And, uh, and Baal is, was a god, lower G god, okay, and he was the god of like storm, rainfall, all that kind of stuff, okay? And as let's look into it real quick. I'll catch you up, okay? So far what has happened is God sent Elijah to tell the king, hey, look, it's not going to rain because you guys have not, you guys aren't serving me anymore. You're serving Baal. It's not going to rain anymore. It's going to drought, right? So it droughts for three years, and then Elijah shows back up on the picture, 
Because God tells him to go and talk to the king so that it can reign again. And that's where we find Elijah here, all right? Elijah right here in, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 16, he shows up. He's like, look, here I am. And in verse 19, this is what we get to. Elijah calls out Ahab, who's the king. He calls out the king, and he says, look, hey, if your God is so real and your God is so right and your God is so awesome, I want you to go meet me on Mount Carmel right over there, bring all the 450 prophets of Baal, right, bring the 450 prophets of that other lower G God and summon everyone from Israel, meet me on the mountain, we'll find out whose God is real. That's what he says. Verse 19 right here, it says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So everyone in the kingdom, bring them, invite them, get them there. Me versus you, my God versus your God, get your people there, right? And so Elijah tells Ahab to grab all those people. And Elijah challenges, in the next little bit, Elijah challenges Baal's prophets to build an altar. He's like, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have like a burn off, okay. Here's what's going to happen. You guys, you're going to build an altar to Baal, okay. You 450, build an altar to Baal. I'm going to build an altar to God. Now, we're going to get two cows. We're going to sacrifice them, all right. We're going to sit down. We're going to pray. And whosoever God delivers fire to burn up the altar wins. Cool? Like, is that good? Are we cool? And they went for it, right? They prepared it. This is what he says. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Verse 24. Then you call the name of your God, and I'll call the name of the Lord, the God, and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So he's saying, hey, look, we're going to find out who the real God is. Right now, right here, right now. So he lets them go first. They, put, they, they build their altar. They stack, you know, like they stack wood. Like an altar was like they stack wood up, right, and whatever they're going to sacrifice, they put it on top, okay. And these guys, these prophets of Baal, they started praying because that's what, that's what Elijah said. He's like, look, you pray and... The first God to bring fire down to burn up the sacrifice and the altar without anyone lighting it, right, just the God delivering it, wins. Cool? Are we good? And so they did it, right? They start praying. They start saying, and then, you know, this goes on for a little while, right? And then we see Elijah right here uh, at noon, verse 27. Elijah grabs some popcorn. He kicks back. He's watching the show. And he says this, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Right? So they had been preparing, they had been like three hours, they had been praying for Baal to bring fire on this altar. Okay? Three hours. Three hours. They had been praying for Baal to bring fire. And Elijah finally stops him. He's like, look. He began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. This is verse 27. Surely he is a God. He's talking to Baal. He's talking to those guys who are worshiping Baal. He's like, surely Baal is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy, or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. I said sleeping. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. This is what they did. 
because he taunted them, right, when someone taunts you, you like on the basketball court, someone taunts you, you go a little harder, right, play a little harder. This is what they said. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. So let's just, let's take a time out, okay, let's. So they're, these guys, they're like, your altar, my altar, Baal altar, God altar, right? Like, you guys pray and try to bring fire down. The first altar to get burn up wins, right? So they pray. Three hours they pray. Nothing, right? Nothing. Elijah taunts them a little bit. They turn it into like overdrive, okay? Turn it into overdrive. They start shouting louder and cutting themselves, right? Like, just slashing. I don't know, maybe they were slashing each other. I don't know, okay? They were cutting themselves and like screaming louder. So this is like, if you've seen any war movie ever, okay, that in, that's like medieval, it was like, like something like that. Like I have no idea, okay, I'm just assuming that's what happened, but it says they cut themselves and shouted louder. Seriously insane. Like crazy, okay? Like I don't understand crazy, but they did it. They did it. And so we move forward, okay? So we move forward through these crazy people. So they get done. Midday passed, verse 29, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. So like 3 to 6 p.m., okay? But there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. So this is what Elijah does. Elijah steps up to the plate. And he calls the people, okay? So now remember, there's the people of Israel, there's the 450 prophets of Baal, and there's the 400 prophets of Asherah. So there's like a lot of people here, okay? There's like one person for God, 850 people for these other lower G God, and all of Israel as spectators ready to decide who they're going to follow, okay? So that's what, I mean, there's a lot of people around this mountain. And Elijah steps up and he tells everyone, he's like, hey, look, come here. Come here, okay, come, come over here, I'm about to build my altar, right. And he, he sets up his altar and he puts some stones around it. And the next thing he does is just a little more, like he taunted them earlier, right, is to taunt them a little bit more, okay. Like this is what he says, this is what he does next in verse 33. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. So he builds the altar. And then, right, those guys, they had a dry altar, okay, to try to get fire to come from. Elijah's like, hey, look, I believe that God's going to come through, okay. I'm, he may be saying this to himself. I don't know. He might think in this. He's like, look, go get some water. Fill these four huge jars. It says four large jars. And pour it on the altar and the sacrifice. So he's like drenching it. Oh, I forgot to mention, he built a moat around his, uh, like a trench. It says trench. He built a trench around his altar, right? And he does that three times. Three times, okay? He does it three times. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So Elijah's like taking it to the next level, right? He's like, okay, I get it. Your God's not going to work. I'll show you how awesome my God is. Here's my altar. It looks just like yours. But now we're going to pour some water on it, okay. We're going to pour water on it and we're going to fill the trench up that I dug around it, which is awesome. And then something awesome happens. 
You may can guess it. Elijah sat down. Elijah prayed. And fire fell from heaven and quenched everything, destroyed the whole altar, burnt everything up, even the water in the trench. You see, these guys over here, they were worshiping, serving, living for a God who didn't exist. Who did not exist. They were giving their all for a God who didn't exist. And Elijah, the whole time, the whole time, sat back. I mean, he taunted them a little bit, right? But he sat back and he watched them. And if I put myself in Elijah's shoes, I would have to feel sorry. Be like, man, you are giving your all. You're giving your all for something that doesn't matter. You are giving your everything. You are cutting yourself and pouring out your blood and screaming and shouting and looking like a fool for something that doesn't matter. And when we don't follow God, when we don't follow God like Elijah did, we're just like these prophets of Baal right here. We're serving the other little G gods that consume our time, that consume our life. And we're shouting and we're screaming and we're trying to show the whole world, look at this, look at man, look at it, look at it. Isn't this awesome? When the whole time, God's just here. God's watching you. Right? God's watching you honestly make a fool of yourself. And Paul was looking at people in the, in the New Testament church in 1 Corinthians make a fool of themselves. Because they talked about believing in God. They said some awesome words about how much they trusted and believed in God. But they weren't really living out that belief in God. You see, Baal was just talk. He was not power. But God is power, not just talk. And we see that power happen every week here at Live. And the ultimate power that comes from God is the life change, right? He came on earth and he died for our sins on a cross. And he displayed the ultimate power by giving his life, by giving himself. And what's awesome is the same power that Jesus displayed on the cross is the power he gives to us when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you gain the power of, of Christ in your life, right? A little piece called the Holy Spirit comes and resides in your life. And you begin to understand that, that living, that the kingdom of God, that being a Christian isn't just talking about how awesome God is. Isn't about coming to church and hanging out with your church friends and being, man, so great. Man, I'm glad we're here and worship was awesome. 
It's going and telling your lost friends about Jesus. It's really living. It's really exhibiting the power of God. You see, Jesus didn't sit in heaven and send miracles down to earth so that he could show us how awesome he is. He came to earth and sat amongst us and showed us through his life that true power. And you know what's awesome is I would say live, the power that's happening here, the power of Christ is shown here at live. And it's shown through the life change. You can watch it on the screens. Man, we've had so many of you give your life to Jesus and get baptized in the last month. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. But what's crazy is we have another service called Bible study that you guys need to come to. And you guys need to bring your lost friends to. Because we dig in a little deeper. And we help you grow in that relationship with Jesus. We help you grow stronger in your, in, with your relationship with Jesus. Because a lot of you are taking that, are bringing your friends here. You're, man, you're living it. You're living it on Monday and Tuesday, right? And you're bringing your friends to live. But then when Saturday night comes around or Friday comes around, you forget to invite your friends to Bible study. Or you're like, man, I'm out of Bible study. I'm not there. I'm not coming. I'm over it. It's too early for me. And we should be living Christ through our whole life. Not just a couple days a week. Not just when it's convenient. We should be living, living Christ through our whole life. But you can't live Christ if you never accepted Christ. You can't share Christ if you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. So no one's looking around, every head bowed, every